John Milton's Paradise Regained, published in 1671, is not as fun as Paradise Lost. The first, second, and third books of Paradise Regained consist almost entirely of Jesus and Satan having very long arguments with each other. Satan has a whole speech with which to tempt Jesus with something, and then Jesus rebuts him with another speech, and then Satan tries another speech. It's so much talking. In the fourth book, after some more speeches, Satan transports Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem and says, as we all know, cast yourself down, for it is written, he will give command concerning thee to his angels. In their hands they shall uplift thee, lest at any time thou chance to dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus finally gives an answer in one sentence. He says, also it is written, tempt not the Lord thy God. He said, and stood, but Satan, smitten with amazement, fell, as when Earth's son Antaeus, to compare small things with greatest in Arasa, strove with Jove's Alcides, and off-foiled, still rose, receiving from his mother Earth new strength, fresh from his fall and fiercer grapple joined, throttled at length in the air, expired and fell. So, after many a foil, the tempter proud, renewing fresh assaults amidst his pride, fell whence he stood to see his victor fall. And, as that Theban monster that proposed her riddle and him who solved it not devoured, that once found out and solved for grief and spite cast herself headlong from the Ismenian steep, so, struck with dread and anguish, fell the fiend, and to his crew that sat consulting, brought joyless triumphals of his hoped success, ruin, and desperation, and dismay, who durst so proudly tempt the Son of God. The phrase... To compare small things with greatest is something people like to quote, and I think it speaks to the nature of comparison. Milton compares Satan to Antaeus and the Sphinx to obliquely compare Jesus to Heracles, the strongest man in the world, and Oedipus, the cleverest man in the world, but it's explicitly not to state any equivalence. To compare X to Y is not to say that everything that's true of X is true of Y. It's not even to say that X is the same kind of thing as Y. And... This is the third strongest podcast. Hello. Hello. We got people here for the podcast today. Say hi, people. We got Jason back. Jason's here. I am here. And everyone else is here. Sarah's here. Y'all are here. Ryan is here. here. And I'm here. Zach, hello. Hello. And we're here with all all of you. Wow, the community of listeners is here with us. All at once. It's the complete guide to Eagleland. Ironically, right? and that, that's the name of our podcast, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Been a while, huh? I don't remember. Oh, except boy. we're not in Eagleland this time. Yeah, we're, we're taking a we're taking a break. We're going overseas. That's right. Uh, actually, there are. This might be kind of interesting. The there are some ancillary materials that talk about the names of like the continents where all these parts of the world are. Um, you ever seen this? I bet Zach has. I have seen that. That's true. Um, and so it's it is that uh, there's Eagleland. There's that's the Western Hemisphere uh, with uh, the towns that we've seen vaguely north america yeah yeah north america then there's foggy land which is europe and africa so winter is stonehenge summer's toto um and then because 
uh, uh, wait, I guess it's under, it's remains to be seen where Scaraba is, but then Dalam that we'll be visiting later is in Chomo. Chomo is the lands to the east. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of these places. Oh, well. I think this is all uh, like Japanese guidebook stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Or like, um, what's that magazine? Famitsu magazine. Yeah. Said, here's where you're going to visit in this game. And yeah, uh, the, the, or Scaraba is, it's not like, uh, it's not really clear w- which continent it's in because, of course, this division of continents is entirely outside of the game and is just being made up by people on the magazine staff. So, not really something to take super seriously, but kind of fun to look at. Um, maps if you find them on Wikibound. Cool. Anyway, we just ate a cake. A magic cake. What do you think it tastes like? Magic cake. What flavor hmm. what flavor of cake is this? For some reason I what would... comes to mind is a uh, is a is a king cake. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Cuz it has it has those colors and there's a uh, a Susan of mysticism about it in the first place mm-hmm. with the Mardi Gras. When she says that I used all leftover ingredients or all <laughs> leftover materials, yeah, that makes me think that it has all like every spice in the spice rack was dumped into it. Wow, that makes sense. So I think that it tastes horrible. <laughs> but maybe you fall asleep before you even taste it. Or, or are transported just from the fumes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you unwrap it, you're you're out. <laughs> yeah, the people playing this game, the immediate assumption is that this is an analog of a drug trip. Yeah, that's but fair. the game. I'm wondering how much of that is in the text of the game, or it like is being intentionally implied by the game and how much of it is people's natural tendency to equate anything with drugs it, it seems yeah. to me like i remember when i played it it, it it sounds like informed by by the existence of psychedelia but it isn't oh you're you're high now and you're literally taking a trip on acid or something or on shrooms mm-hmm. yeah i think but yeah, without it, some sort of explanation along those lines it becomes it stands out as really weird to me that eating this cake would trigger this experience. I guess it's a fairy tale thing if it's not a drug thing. Sure. Yeah, it's one or the other. It's pretty ambiguous, I think. It's like slightly naughty in the same way that yeah, a lot of things that happen in the game is slightly naughty. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a That's a cool way of looking at it. Anyway, we wake up and we're in Dalam. We're in a golden palace. I always like uh, internalize Dalam as being floating in the clouds, but it's clearly just very high up, right? Um, There's if I'm like... looking at this map, hmm. you can read it either way because like, this part hanging out over here definitely doesn't have anything underneath it and then down here at the very bottom 
that the clouds are covering up the bottom of the map. So even viewing it from outside what you're supposed to see in the game, you can't tell whether there's more rock underneath it connecting it to the earth or if it's literally floating. Mm -hmm. Ambiguous again. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I always thought it was floating in the clouds too. Have you seen some of this concept art for it? It's pretty cool. No. No. Put the concept art into the podcast. I'm trying to, (laughs) but uh, having computer difficulty. Give one moment, please. Here it comes. So, Sarah, when you say you envision it as floating in the clouds, you mean it is it is it is wholly detached from the Earth. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Whoa! Oh, that elephant one is crazy. The first yeah, one wow. seems <laughs> seems solid, and the second one is uh, less so. Yeah, I mean, both cool. I've never one seen more this. physically possible than the other. Having having it all be. Uh, held up by an elephant's trunk is an interesting choice. Specifically, uh, the the spout of yes. liquid that is flying from an elephant's trunk eternally. Yeah, that's cool. I never I never pictured it like that for sure. Yeah, looking at it more now, I'm like airing on the side of it's probably just really high up in the air, like a a mountain peak. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we're in like this weird like fake Tibet. But there's exactly. a fake Taj Mahal, golden Taj Mahal here. Uh, mix, it's kind of a mishmash. Um, um, this is a diagnostic. The name of the continent Chomo, I'm reading this from the bottom of the Wikibound page, comes from the native name of Mount Everest in Nepal. Uh, Everest is called Chomolungma in the Tibetan language, which gets translated as Tomoranma in Japanese, and Dalam in Japanese is Ramma. Right. So the they're very directly identifying this place with Mount Everest, hmm. depending on what the Lungma part of the name means in the first place the other uh thing i brought to class today is i know the the song that plays here oh the the background song of delam um is actually a rendition of one of the composer's like commercial tracks on an Mm. album he put out and i don't know if anybody else has heard this brian's probably heard this yeah we've talked about this uh Keiichi Suzuki's song Words, Colors, Noises, and Booms which we probably can't put on the podcast without getting copyright. I'll figure something out. I don't think anyone's actually paying attention. Probably not. Um, But if you like fast forward to like 2.30 it's just the Dalam song with lyrics on top of it. It's pretty good. That's really good. I haven't listened to like more of Keiichi Suzuki's work. I bet it's all fun. Someone out there is going to find like another song that like samples something or isn't there something else? yeah how much of earthbound is suzuki just <laughs> doing chiptune versions of songs he already recorded that's valid that's just being efficient <laughs> yeah it's like i used to do that in college I, I used to like write one paper and turn it into tune classes whoa same deal. <laughs> yeah. 
Get paid. I get it. Okay, uh, now we can talk about uh, the, the video game. So he had a dream that he's in Delam and he is Prince Pooh. Is that what's happening here? Is he Ness he, seems to have these dream powers. Well, okay. What, when you say he has these dream powers, are, are you thinking of some other situation where these powers? Well, come he in? when he goes to sleep in a hotel, sometimes he he would be contacted by Paula, unless that's Paula's okay. dream powers. I read that as Paula reaching out to him, mm-hmm. and but maybe him being receptive to that yeah. sort of thing. In when do you, uh, as Pooh, use the telephone man, you uh, call your mom and dad and they're like, oh, Ness, your voice sounds different or something like that, right? Yeah. They say something so, like you sound really far. Can, can you also explain what telephone man is? Because I think that's that's extremely literal, if I'm recalling correctly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For reasons that go unexplained, there is a guy in the palace whose hair, instead of being a uh, top knot or whatever, is a telephone receiver. And it's implied that you pick up this telephone hair off of his head and you use that to call out because there isn't a conventional telephone in Delam. This does sound very dreamlike. <laughs> it does, but like there after we get Pooh back from Delam, it's clear that Delam is not a dream place that doesn't yeah. exist to the rest of the world. Uh, one thing that I didn't really know about until I was looking at the text dump is a bunch of the uh, hotel's newspaper headlines when you spend the night there, they have a uh, a headline for, oh, Prince Pooh of Dalam has been cited in Onet uh, because apparently Prince Pooh is a celebrity outside of Dalam and uh, he's been documented as <laughs> appearing in other places. So I don't think we're meant to think that Dalam itself is a dream, but that your experience of Pooh walking around in real life is being experienced by Ness as a dream. Yeah, that sounds right. Pooh is extremely popular uh, Mm, here as well. What were we going to say, Jason? It's very, it's very interesting that, yeah, okay, so this whole level, if you will, is, is being filtered by dreaming Ness. But it's, I think, uh, <laughs> except except for a, <clears throat> except for a, a part we get to later, which is is clearly I see as as Pooh's subjective experiences. I mean, they're very strange and dreamlike, also. But Pooh is experiencing them. Um, after the telephone, uh, there's nothing especially surreal about any of this, and it's all like, well, yes, here is this is a literal depiction of Pooh. Uh, getting ready to go out on his own adventure. Um, and I, th- I think we're meant to see this as this is literally happening. Although yes, there's, there's bits and pieces like the telephone guy that are a little fuzzy and that's, that's sort of Ness being present I, in a way unconsciously. I want to say that I want to back off from the dream angle. Where I want to say that a dream is being used to accomplish something much more straightforward. Yeah. 
which is that for the duration of this segment, Ness is controlling Pooh or playing the game about Pooh in the same way that we're playing the game about Ness. Okay. Mm. And Mm. so in the same way that Ness has this kind of sometimes ambivalent or ambiguous nature as maybe he's a independent person in this world or maybe he's uh, an extension of our will into the video game uh Pooh is having two natures as a guy on his own who really exists but also a guy who is being driven around and having his decisions made for him by uh, an outside force that maps to his personality uh, after he shows up, which is basically, you know, not to skip ahead too much, yeah. but he's basically like, hi, I'm on your team now. Let's go. And and that's all you get. Well, then uh, we are tasked by our master, Pooh's master, uh, who doesn't have a name uh, in this video game in English, but actually has it. I was just looking up stuff before the podcast and both him and the other master we're going to meet have different names in Japanese. Oh yeah. That are references to specific Mahjong hands. Yeah. Awesome. Radical. <laughs> it's like Pooh's master is one four seven. So it's like Isawu or Isa, Isa Chi. And then the star master is like two, five, eight. Just like Very good. Ba. Yeah. The best. Uh, which is cute. It's fun when you get the little like matching names like that, like some other folks that we're going to meet soon. Like Sahasrila and Ad- Ad- Agani. Yeah. I can't wait Those to guys. meet them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he tasks you uh, to go complete your training by going to Moo, the place of emptiness or nothingness, depending on which line read, because they kind of call it a bunch of different stuff. Uh, and then you're just the name Moo is fraught, weighty, extremely full I of think, history. First of all, less less significantly than other interpretations, Moo is a Greek letter, hmm. and so it's tied into the Alpha Beta Sigma Omega, uh, like the world of psychic powers is the world of Greek letters. Oh, but. And I like that's the that's the part that might not be intentional, but I like to think that <laughs> in addition to everything else that Moo means, it's also like the one secret Greek letter that only Pooh has access to. That's really good. But also Moo or Ma or however it's pronounced in these contexts is a concept in Zen, uh, which is very difficult to put into words there is a koan where the guy asks the master does a dog have a buddha nature and the master replies ma which either means like intentionally saying nothing or maybe it's imitating a dog barking or there's a lot of ways to interpret even the thing that I'm offering as an interpretation of the name Moo. What else do we have? 
Around Moo in particular? Around the name Moo. Well, it's what a cow says. Okay. That's one of the the joke lines that somebody says later. Moo training. There's the... Yeah. On the logo of local to me radio station WFMU, it's one of its logos is a dog and a cow saying, uh, respectively, WF. That's what the dog is saying and the cow is saying MU. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> and does that dog have food in nature and the cow is ready with its answer? Mm, that's very deep. <laughs> very deep. I'll just read this Wikipedia article. In the Xenosphere, the word mu, realized in Japanese and Korean as mu and in standard Chinese as wu, meaning to lack or without, is a key term in the vocabulary of various East Asian philosophical and religious traditions such as Buddhism and Taoism. Uh, some English translation equivalents are no, not, nothing, without, nothing, not, nothingness, un, is not, has not, not any, pure awareness prior to experience or knowledge, a negative, caused to be non-existent, impossible, lacking reason or cause, non-existence, non-being, not having, a lack of, without, I feel like this is a case of Wikipedia editors not reading previous entries. Yeah, in that's the list. hilarious. It's also uh, it's also skipping over what I think is, is I, I don't if you have any background in in, in programming or, or working with a database ever, like what comes to me is is null, right? Because mm. I mean, this is this is not the key to the koan. The, the the koan is is fractal. You can you can unfold it forever. That's why it's a koan. You can meditate on it for years. But the place it starts is that the Zen master is presented with this uh, smart-ass, perhaps smart-ass student asking him this yes-no question. And he, he, he answers neither yes nor, nor, nor no. And he just gives a, third, a secret third answer. And I, you know, you, also incorrect, but you could um, interpret it as null. Like, I return null to that. Hmm. Thank you for actually giving it the, the useful version of the yeah i'm gonna go story. edit that page right now i'll be right back mm-hmm. okay um oh the the koan is not about whether a dog does not this is where i happen to slow down further sorry scroll down further in that article the koan is not about whether a dog does or does not have a buddha nature because everything is buddha nature and either a positive or negative answer is absurd because there is no particular thing called buddha nature Think that's uh, what Hakun Yasutani of the Sanbo Kyodan maintained. So mm-hmm. uh, it's extremely fraught when you go to the place of nothingness. Uh, if you're, <laughs> you know, a nine-year-old playing this, this game is really what I'm curious of. of. Like, what does a kid make of this? Like, I, that's what I really want to know. Like, like mm-hmm. me, <laughs> me playing Let's this as a middle-aged version. Then... Okay, yeah. Oh, shut up now. Yeah. No. Um, because there's more to it. Just the name already is Uh way too much. Okay. Um, so we have to walk all the way down through Dalam and see all of our subjects who all, uh, mostly adore us, especially the ladies. The ladies love Prince Poo. There is the one guy who says Preet Poot. Uh, icon icon <laughs> we were able to uh confirm that like 
it isn't really coming across in the translation, but this man is farting. Right? Yeah, no, I, I I got that. Can can I? I oh, okay. I, I, I did not I did not read that initially. I had to have that explained to me. Oh, I, maybe if you just play the game like in one rush at the speed, I was like, okay, this is a fart joke. Um, okay. I actually I, I want to raise. Speaking of elephants, uh, supporting entire uh, continents on their trunks, um, <laughs> I, I would like to address an elephant in, in this particular uh, Golden Palace before we continue. Um, is can we just talk about Pooh's name for a second? Like, is is his entire existence just another poop joke? Like, is that it, or is there anything else going on here? I, I guess if um, my perspective is obviously flawed because I didn't see Preet Poot as a fart when I read it initially, but as a kid playing this game, I I I'm pretty sure my opinion was. Well, it looks like poop, but he's a, a foreign guy. Like, I shouldn't expect people from other cultures, <laughs> their names, right. to sure. uh, match. Like, I had a very mature it's very inclusive of you. Um, I, I and yet, like I, of yeah. all the names <laughs> that the world's Eastern cultures have to offer us, they chose this one. <laughs> and he is... Just poo in Japanese, right? Okay, yeah, uh, that's. Yeah. I'm very curious about that. All right, all right. And, and in early release materials, I remember like like the first couple Nintendo Power articles that came out before the game. They uh, had it as P- there's P U. They uh, wrote it. Was out it ever P U U? I don't remember it being that way in Nintendo Power specifically, but I know I've okay. seen people spell that online before mm-hmm. in reference to like being really a particular kind of pretentiousness when it comes to Japanese RPGs. <laughs> um, hmm. What I are feel the like other uh, don't care names for? It's like Aziz. Oh, That's the only one I can remember. Kato, Kai, Omar, <laughs> Ramin, Aziz, Lado. Okay. Omar. And these are all like <laughs> basically uh, like names that you've seen in the real world. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. like, I, as as sure as I am that the name Pooh is just a name, it doesn't mean anything. I don't think I've ever seen anybody have that name outside of Earthbound. Yeah. And see, as a child, because of the name Pooh, I didn't think much of the name Moo, right? Mm. At that point, oh, I'm, sure. getting, I'm getting thrown a bunch of weird names of places, and I'm not really yeah. reading into it anything beyond like the text itself there and be like, okay, I don't know. I'm in a weird mm-hmm. place and things have different names. And what's the next part of the game going to be like not mm-hmm. reading into it at all as a child, at least. Uh, there's definitely the possibility that his name is a joke and that he, he he's, his name is poop, but like nothing about him or about the way, like all it would take is one He's line a serious of dialogue dude. where someone says, Pooh, that's a funny name. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, oh, it's a joke at his expense. But the game never lets on that in any way. He is played and super yeah, yeah. straight. He is the mm. the straightest straight man, and, if you will, <laughs> in that in that sense of the term in, in this in this and story. The game doesn't shy away from poop jokes, so Right. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, if they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I'm down. Thank you for the uh, sidebar. It's important Please to continue. Address this stuff. We have a responsibility to our listeners and to the text. Speaking to of investigate 
Prince Pooh. We can talk about him as a playable character for a second, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has weird dietary needs. This is so cool. Yeah. Which is a really, yeah, it's a cool feature that's, like, here as just kind of a weird extra thing. Whereas I feel like other RPGs could and probably do hang entire systems on this. Where yeah. you have characters that heal different HP depending on what items they like. Right? I bet Rune I, Factory Off has the top this. of my head, um, there's a Fire Emblem where uh, it's uh, like i'm not going to remember the details correctly but there are a bunch of alcoholic items that hmm. uh restore hp but or restore something but can't be used by miners huh. and in that case it's not like balancing the system it's it's a more of just like a flavor thing of well we we can't give kids this wine um and uh, there's there's certainly games where shoot i feel like it's on the tip of my tongue um oh you know what i'm thinking of is uh yoshi's island 64 what was that called yoshi's story where depending on the color of yoshi you get more points from eating different fruits mm. but there's there's a better example somewhere out there sorry well, this is also interesting because it's we've already had three characters who who behave the same way or they have the same dietary yeah. needs. And I don't remember anywhere learning this in the game. You can learn it by eating and drinking. Oh, is yeah. there later on do they say something about this? Cuz I didn't come across it in my playthrough so far. I don't think they do say it in the game. I think uh, it's something that, like, yeah. is one of those things that is in the player's guide. Mm. And so it, it feels almost like instruction manual material. Yeah. Like, you just, you better know this ahead of time. <laughs> because I don't think the... Are we talking about how he gets um, uh, MP back from No, from we're water? talking about how he restores less HP when he eats western food oh okay yeah i had no idea okay yeah the game does not make it obvious and you can finish the game and not notice yeah uh but it's it's cool it like it makes him a more believable character and it's a it's such a i mean there's you can make the case that it is a difficulty you know intentional mechanical thing but it seems like just a fun extra detail. Yeah. Yeah, this is not... I, I don't... It is mechanic... It, it is mechanical in nature, but I don't think it's there to be a hindrance. It's more there to be flavor. It's the same way that, you know, in Earthbound Beginnings, your character can get asthma attacks. Hmm. Like, it's just yeah, yeah. there because they conceived of this prince from a distant country who just can't stomach western food which is and it almost is an extension of what we've been talking about all along with how this game uses the combat system for storytelling here it's using the inventory recover hp from eating food system for characterization it's just 
It's so easy to call it. How a does parody, it express itself? Yeah, but it's it's just being fun and interesting. Does it just give you a smaller number, or or does it actually say like, oh, oh, Pooh didn't like that very much? I, I feel like all it says is you eat the hamburger, and it says Pooh restored six HP, and you're supposed to say, well, wait, why, why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. The items, like it's. I actually don't know off the top of my head what where you draw the line. Like, is the weird soups and shark fin soup and stuff in summers is that weird enough for Pooh to enjoy? Wiki bounds suggests that the only Delon? food uh, that works for Pooh is the brain food lunch. Uh, oh but my then, gosh! But then, but then, like Jason said. Pooh can also heal psychic points by drinking water, and the other characters cannot. Or like, which he, is also he heals a more, really cool detail. I, I, I should I should say he heals more than the other characters. Hmm. Oh, because it's like, how? What are we talking about? If I drink a bottle of water, I get like six PP back, and Pooh gets twenty. Something like that. I don't have the actual okay. numbers in front of me, but no, it's pretty. It's pretty significant, yeah. if, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's interesting. I to me it seems like not just because he's from a different region, but also his training. Like he has yeah. a different he has different dietary needs for his like body and mind. That's true, yeah. He's an ascetic. So he can't pollute himself with fries. Yeah. It's brain food lunches only. <laughs> the other thing So this that... is a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. The the other thing this fascinating character has is a unique battle command called Mirror, which I ten, tend to forget yeah. exists. Yeah, yeah, and they don't tell you anything about that either. Yeah, you huh? Just gotta try it out. Uh, mirror lets you, lets Pooh become a targeted enemy and gain all of that targeted enemy's attacks. It's not, you know very useful but it does exist no <laughs> it's not very useful but it's really cool when it does work i feel like it doesn't work often enough that to discourage me from using it the first time around i was like well if mir doesn't do anything i'm going to have him cast spells but then it turns out that it's actually cool although when he transforms into something that uses psychic powers then he ends up De- depleting his own psychic power his own pp points hmm. to uh cast the enemy's spells and that is frustrating to me because i didn't decide to expend that resource how dare mm-hmm. you well we've danced around it long enough yeah let's go all the way to the bottom of Delam and up to moo the place of nothingness oh wait there's a guy here this guy's so <laughs> cool <laughs> The, I, we're not finding out right now that he's the star master, are we? I don't we, think we uh, learn anything about him. That's only he just in says that, the credits. Okay. And um, he is gonna, uh, he just tells us that he's going to go, he's going to teach you a important power after he learns the important power himself. I He has a line that I'm obsessed with. Okay. Where he says, "You have nice eyes," oh. um, mm-hmm. which I had to. I, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. I'm pretty sure 
that's like a slight mistranslation that ends up being way cooler of a line. I think in the original Japanese, the intimation is it's like, oh, you get very keen-eyed. Like, you look like you're on a mission. But huh. instead, oh, okay. he just kind of very casually compliments you. It's like, oh, you've got nice eyes. You must be Prince Pooh. Um, it's not even you have nice eyes, you must be Prince Pooh, because there's an ellipsis. So he says, you have nice eyes. You must be Prince Pooh. The, the ellipsis adds a lot to the conversation, so yeah. to speak. It's like this weird compliment, or maybe, like, Prince Pooh's known to be a handsome fellow, so they, like... I, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's really evocative. It's really good. And long ago, I completed Moo training. I want to show you a higher level of intelligence. However, I'm still realizing and learning this high level. I'll see you again. So long. And then he zoops out of there. Also, this guy has his body proportions are not the same as everyone else in the world. Like his head is only four. Yeah, pixels does he have wide. a tiny head? Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on. I like it might be that they wanted to make his body look wider and but they couldn't make the sprite outside of the 16 width, but I don't know. It's Is weird. he like weirdly hunched over, but it's not very well conveyed? Yeah. He's a good guy. He's very cool. The star master. And also he has a cool teleportation effect that uh, psychic teleportation it's like something it's not psi teleport sigma it's it should be psi though. whirlwind <laughs> nanoman as a kid i was obsessed with the fact that oh that must be psi like teleport because you only get in this video game alpha and beta teleport yeah. so i'm like oh he's unlocked oh, like oh yeah it's out there somewhere gamma to learn. Omega, that he can just teleport on the spot like that that makes a lot of sense. That is cool. They left just enough runway for me as a kid to, like, fill that in, and I got really excited about it as a kid. Then we climb up a bunch of ropes. Then we sit, We like, when you get to the top of the spire of rock, Pooh automatically sits down to begin his moo training. And what what are the exact sequence of events? I feel like I have to watch a video of this. I, I remember one of them very clearly. I don't. I don't have the the whole thing down, but like, there's one part where I was like, "Oh, it's doing this." Like, I got like really into it, and that's when. Well, hold on. Like his friend. Yeah. The, the first thing Sorry. is that b- before the screen changes or anything, a, a girl shows yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Go on. And. I forget exactly what she says. I like. I'll, I'll need a reminder here. Does she say something that's more like, uh, "Hey, hey, you did it. Good job. You can stop no. now." Or does she, she say says, something like, "Oh, Prince they're Pooh, they're calling your name. I they they need you back." Messenger the- from your master. He sent me to tell you that you must stop your meditation immediately, Prince Pooh. You must right, come right. back with me instead of staying in a place such as this. Your master wishes it. Oh, that's Please so rise, good. Prince. Your Highness, you must give up this trial for now. Believe what I say. It is the truth. That is really well worded. Wow. Okay. What's, what's <sighs> so good about it is how long she goes on. Yeah. That's the yeah. suspicious they, part. That's the only suspicious exactly. part. They don't give you a chance to do something about it after she says the first thing. She The, the game forces you to let her overplead her case. Mm-hmm. And that's your clue that you're not supposed to listen to her but if it were 
you know, implemented in some other way, if if they gave you any opportunity to listen to it right away, then you would mess up and it would be the game's fault. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be a totally reasonable thing for you to say, oh, okay, I guess mm-hmm. I need to go. Uh, it's the fact that you don't have control for the critical moment where it seems like a reasonable request that makes it so good. Yeah, it really does seem reasonable. And then you have a chance to give up and climb back down the rope and see what's so important that your master needed to call you away from your mood training. And what happens if you do? You are admonished by your master who tells you to go back, do it again. The thing is, you're like not oh even gosh. admonished. He says, I won't say anything. Oh, go yeah. back and finish your mood training. Like, you have to go all the way back, though, he's right? He's not to angry. Find out. Yes. He's not even disappointed. He's just, I won't say anything. Yeah. And yeah, no, if you accidentally walk away for a second, you have to go all the way back and talk to him before you can try again. Ah. Which happened to me, which is very funny. I was like, oops. (laughs) (laughs) You got distracted. Uh, But you continue. What what do we interpret as happening here? Do we interpret that this is actually uh, like your master sent? your friend to go yell at you, hey, you gotta come back, or or is this is this is this something else going on? I like the idea of it being a spectral temptation mm-hmm. sent by That's the how absolutely of how I read it. Or mm, yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be either <laughs> one. I mean the, this is very different than the the next challenges though. Like the next the next uh trials you have to participate in like it, it it's not the same background it's a realistic looking person so it could be either one yeah but it uh, it, it either it, interpretation uh, is rad it, yeah is the thing yeah <laughs> there's there's three interpretations oh. going on here i was i was going to showing up saying there's two interpretations but now i see that there's three the first interpretation is that this is literally a, an actual person who is in cahoots with your master to be, to be like let, let, let's see if we can if we can uh, disrupt uh, uh, the, the prince's test by just yelling mm-hmm. some weird stuff at him. <laughs> uh, the second one is that this is a manifestation of the the prince's um, inner doubt or Ooh. his own mm. internal his his own internal voice and like you know when you meditate and you know this this is how meditation works. In reality, it's difficult because it's super hard to shut off your internal uh, awareness and voice and personality, and you really get in your own head, and your head is loud. And is this a manifestation of that? Uh, or, and this is what I'm really eager to talk about, <laughs> or is this an external spectral force like what Ryan was getting at, which could be you know, your ancestral lineage or something else um, tempting if I may use that word, uh, the prince to climb down off the mountain and interrupt his exercise. Hmm. So that's that's three. And I love that it isn't clear. And I'm also, I, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I was I did some research before, uh, before showing up today. And, um, you know, I was reading um, both, like, <laughs> both source materials of, like, cultural religious traditions um, that this is obviously... Dr- quote unquote, obviously drawing on, but also a pop culture thing from the same period of time from the mid nineties that I was reading instead of playing Mm -hmm. Earthbound, a particular comic book, which I think I was yelling about in email to you all. 
And I, I actually read those issues. Okay. And I just, I reread them. I, I, I spent $1.99 <laughs> on Kindle to, to, to read freshly digitized versions of these comic books. And when Ryan was just now reading the full dialogue mm. of the urgency of the message that you get, I'm like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this, this is literally what happens to Dane McGowan in issue 24 of The Invisibles written by Grant Morrison, which I don't need to get too deeply into, but I, I'm like, oh, we can it's get the same thing. The, it, the same thing happens. Um, okay, let's... Let's finish describing the thing, or try yeah, to, please. and then I want to get into, you know, a mountain of paratext, okay? Mm-hmm. Please. You go on meditating, the screen gets dark, and then a creepy face descends on you. And there's some, like, droning sounds happening as Oh, this is boy, going. is there. And what does the drown sound like? Do you have an answer in mind? Because to me, it sounds like creepy drone. It, it sort of sounds like moo. Like it sounds like that. No, I'm pretty sure it does. It sounds I like it sounds like that, yeah. No, sure. it, it's a very to me. It no, it's, it's unforgettable to me. And maybe, maybe it was I was just like projecting onto it, but it really sounded like a vocal chorus of of uh, the people pronouncing the name of the place you are, which is nothingness. As the screen fades. We're having a good time. <laughs> That's a good time. This this is what this is why they invited me, folks. Um the the face descends on you, and you know, on top of everything <laughs> else, face. this is giving me a Twin Peaks vibe. <laughs> because of in season three of Twin Peaks, you know, twenty five years after this game, when the guy's face flies away. <laughs> never mind. Um There's a bunch of no, I uh, <sighs> There's, there's several faces that fly away. I know, I know what you mean. Wait, uh, I thought you were about to say. I, I, I'm I talking about the woodsman's face in like episode one or two of season three, when the oh the guy's in the jail, and then you pan over to the woodsman, and he's just hanging out in the jail, and then his face flies away. Oh no, I forgot that. There's there's a bunch of faces that flying around in that in that series. There sure are. The face. Yeah descends upon Pooh, and then we transition into the battle uh, format. The battle interface. This is where action in the game happens, as we talked yeah. about. Mm. Struggle. The face says, Prince Dan, I am... Oh, sorry, I'm reading, watching someone's YouTube video <laughs> where they named it Dan! <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> Prince Pooh, I am the spirit Dan. of your ancient lineage. To complete your trial, I am going to break your legs. You will lose the use of them. Do you accept this? And then you get to say yes or no. I can guarantee now, you, when as I we first talk about playing yeah? this as a kid, I certainly said no. <laughs> <laughs> I am not okay with this. This was terrifying to me as a kid. It's absolutely terrifying. I want you. I want everyone to like. I. I if we ever get into questions of how hard Earthbound can go, uh-huh. I want I want us to never forget that there's this part of the game. Let's say just this part of the game where a ghost says, "Is it okay if I break your legs?" And in, in order for the game to progress, you have to say, "Yes, it's okay for you to break my legs." And then there is a scary noise, and then you lose a bunch of HP because your legs have been broken. Uh. 
because you said the game could do it. So, Prince Dan, you cannot walk as your legs are broken. Next, I will tear your arms off. I shall then take your arms and feed them to the crows. The taking of your arms, do you accept this? The crows part is unnecessary. It's so good. I'm getting all shivery talking about this. What? What, what what happens if you say no? Like uh, oh. so, I like I I was like I, it's like I was so into this, and I was like immediately like okay, I know what we're doing, and I was like immediately went into like full role play mode. So I was like yes, 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 do do it, do everything. But I, I fully expect that the game is equipped for a young play, the, the the target audience, terrified uh, child. To say no, and what happens when you, you say no? Basically, wake up like you go back to the overworld, and Pooh stands up because the dream is over or whatever. And then oh, you have to walk back to your master, and he says, "I won't say anything. Go do it again." And you come back, and okay, I'm pretty okay. sure when you repeat it, you even have to go through the Pooh. You have to come back. Your master says, "Come yeah. back" thing again, right? That's yeah. correct. Okay, from the top, um, and when. The when you say yes, go ahead, break my legs, uh, my arms. Then your HP gets reduced to zero, so you are, in video game terms, a dead body. But we're not done. Prince Pooh, without legs or arms, you can only lie there. Now I'll cut your ears off. Rated E for everyone. You do not <laughs> mind my taking your hearing away, do you? Do you accept this? You let him cut off your ears, and now you can't hear, so the droning goes away. Mm. The sound yeah. effects go away. There's oh just my God. no more sound. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. There isn't even of the of the di- 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 of the text appearing. No, on the screen. it's gone. The sound yeah. is just gone from the game. Holy cow! It's I didn't so notice that. cool. <laughs> this is the coolest thing. This is the co- this is almost like the virtuoso solo of. This this game's whole thing of t- telling a, a cool story with basic RPG mechanics, this is the ne plus ultra of that mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. story. The game is so showing off. Yes, a lot. No legs, no arms, and no sound. By floating words through the air, I must ask you, do you care if I take your eyes? Do you want to live in eternal darkness? I shall steal your sight. Do you accept this? And you say, yes. Yes. And he fades away. So now black screen and text box. The text box that is our real connection to the outside world. And now our only connection to the outside world. So, Prince Dan. I mean, Pooh. (laughs) Now I can communicate. I can only communicate directly with your mind. Your mind is all you have left. In the end, I will take your mind. Though you probably don't want to allow that, do you? So... You can't answer? You can't even move? Are you sad? Are you lonely? If you lose your mind, you also lose any feelings of sadness. I have goosebumps for real. Do you accept this? You don't get a chance to answer yes or no. I will take your mind, Prince Pooh. Know that I will possess it. Then you wake up. Guy appears, says, Prince Pooh. You have now completed your training. The old master must be so pleased. Hurry now and return to the palace. And then you wait for like a minute because uh-huh. this is another trick. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a, 
different guy this time, so it must be real. It is a different guy, yeah. Um, Jeez, I'm all tingly. I never, like, read that all out loud before. Uh, I'm starting to see why Pooh is so businesslike and serious. <laughs> yeah, he comes from, like, that angle of the game that doesn't have jokes. Yeah. Yeah, this is the scariest part of the game. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. And now he has ritually self, self-nullified. Yeah. yeah. He, he has become nothingness and... He has accepted complete ego destruction. We got this guy on the podcast. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I just want to make it perfectly clear this. I like saying words and making sounds, and that's why I like video games like this. You're a step above what we normally have on this podcast, though. I feel like it's a little we rude to be in Sarah, to... but okay. I don't. But it's polite. <laughs> yep. So... I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to tell you what this reminds me of which I don't think is like I think Jason might have much better texts to refer to. But it reminds me of a story that we translated in a Sanskrit class about King Shibi. Uh who was a great king, very wise and nice. And so the the gods Agni and Indra decided to test him. And so Agni took on the shape of a dove and flew into King Shibi's palace and said, King Shibi, please, 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 you got to save me. There is an eagle after me. Um, I don't want to get eaten by this eagle. Please save me. And Shibi is like, of course, of course I will. I love all living things. I am the best guy. Uh, then Indra in the shape of an eagle flies in and says, um, hey, let me eat that dove. And Shibi says, I, I'm protecting this dove. No, you can't eat it. And the eagle says, but I I have to eat flesh to live. If you deny me this dove, then I'm going to die. So you're doing harm to one of us no matter what. And uh, the story, I think, I remember having a real trouble translating this part. And I remembered that when I read the sentence later. And I was like, oh, that's what they're trying to say. Um, Shibi was amazed because not only could these birds talk like people, but they could argue like them too. Uh, so Shibi says, if I get you some other flesh to eat, will you leave this dove alone? And Indra as Eagle says, sure. Uh, so Shibi, the best king in the world says, I'll just, you know, I can't harm any other living thing because I'm so nice. But I will give you some of my flesh. And the eagle says, okay, but it has to weigh as much as that dove does. So they get out the scale. They put the dove on the scale. Shibi cuts off some of his body, puts it on the scale, but the dove still weighs more. So I swear I, I couldn't find this part in any of the other, uh, any of the stuff I found online. But at least the way I translated it. Uh, Shibi decides to like cut off one of his arms. He puts that on the scale. It's still not enough. He cuts off one and then the other of his legs. He puts those on the scale and it's still not enough. He cuts off his other arm and puts that on the scale. Uh, and like, what's amazing to this story is that it doesn't point out that there's no way for him to do this without <laughs> arms. Um, <laughs> finally, all versions of the story agree that like 
with barely any body left, he just has himself put onto the other side of the scales. And now finally it balances out this little dove. And uh, Indra and Agni reveal themselves. They're like, hey, you passed the test. Good job. And then they reconstitute King Shibi into his original form. And then at the end of the story, they went inside. They went inside. And my Sanskrit professor explains that they disappeared into the interstices of space-time. But I don't know how much of that is real Hindu tradition and how much of that is my professor professor who was kind of a weirdo. Hmm. Very good. I like that. It's a good ending, though. Now, in your research, Jason, what texts did you pull up? Well, I'm really glad you came at this from uh, Hindu tradition because, like, so all right, do do we do we want to do we want to start with pop culture or, or or go back? You said pop culture um, first, so we have to start with pop culture. Okay, so the first thing I thought of was the first, actually not not the first time I I ever heard this pattern of story. Uh, although the King Shibby story you told is actually not quite the same thing. It's no. it's. It, it's coming at this from a different angle than here is a holy person being tempted by by earthly things uh, when they're trying to reach heaven, which is where I was okay. I was coming from. The story you're telling, like that's coming at it from a different thing, uh, a different angle, which is are you willing to destroy yourself for a higher aim? Um, which is also absolutely here, and that's very interesting to me. But I saw this more as uh, okay. We'll start in the pop culture. Is that Okay, the comic book series, The Invisibles, uh, written by um, Grant Morrison, uh, drawn another by weirdo. various... No, uh, yes, another weirdo. Um, uh, spans, I, th- I think it was published by DC Comics from 1994 to 2000-ish. Um, if you were in your early 20s, it was mind-blowing. <laughs> Uh, and like I said, this, this is what I was reading instead of playing Super Nintendo. Uh, also I had a Genesis as, as we said on my last appearance. So whatever. Um, so yes, I was playing the, the bad version of Shadowrun on the Genesis and reading this comic book. And there's a key moment, which is a really cool moment. And it was the first time I saw this trope that I would then learn. Oh, I see. This is actually drawing on world religious tradition from Buddhism and also Christianity and also other religions where, where this appears again and again, where a main character. So there's a, the main character, like the main protagonist of this series is this British kid, uh, named, uh, Dane McGowan. And, um, he is to skip over a lot of material. Uh, it, he is in training very quickly to be, uh, a, a messianic type figure. He is, he's a, he's a, he's a holy person. And the, the series is about his training and his battles, both figurative and literal, uh, to become this this savior figure. Um, and there's a point midway through the series where he, in in battling bad guys, he has to meditate. He 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 does this like sort of combat meditation. And the the villains, these like scary extra dimensional monsters, are trying to are are trying to get through this shield that he has put up, 
and that he is powering through just sitting there cross-legged and emptying his mind, right? And the way that they get at him is they get into his head and they just bring up all of, first, like, all of his uncomfortable memories, like, and, and then they bring up, like, all the guilt that he feels for, like, having done things earlier in the series and the repercussions from them that he hasn't considered. And um, then they try to trick him by, like, having his allies say, like, Dane, you did it. You, you killed him. You have to get out of the circle now. The whole place is collapsing. And he just sits there. And he just unmoving. And you, the reader, are like, holy sh**, excuse me, holy, <laughs> holy poo, uh, you, uh, Dane, you have to get moving. Everyone's, everyone's like, I, I am, I am looking at your, your friends telling you, you need to, to get up out of there. I have seen the villain that you have defeated through your awesome meditative powers. And Dane uh, ignores you, the reader, and he just sits there. And it turns out, no, you turn the page, and that was just another trick, too. Um, so like, and that, so that's literally drawn, like, like when I say, oh, it's drawn from the same well as Earthbound, a game from exactly the same time. Cause I think this issue was published in 1996. So a little bit later, like, yeah, it's, it's clearly coming from the same, uh, tradition. Um, and that's, that's super awesome. And like, I'm just appreciating it even more now as of, as of today, but I vaguely remembered read, having read that umpteen years ago. Uh, and that's that scene from this comic book, this, this unforgettable, very striking scene was what immediately struck me uh, when I was playing through this video game two months ago. First of all. Yeah, when you. Um, yeah, the fact that I was thinking about a person being dismembered um, in the the version that I happened to connect this with um I makes me when you point out that there's other angles, there's yeah, there's a lot of uh, stories about uh, messianic or Dalai Lama uh, figures yep. undergoing this sort of thing. Um, in Christianity, you have Jesus is tempted on a yep. mountaintop uh, yep. by a devil who just says, like, go ahead, make, you're going to starve, make food for yourself. You have the power to make yeah, food for yourself. Yeah, go eat that rock. Um, Smart guy. And uh, the, I, I do not understand what is being implied when Jesus says man does not live by bread alone. Because man does not live by bread alone, but he does require food for <laughs> sustenance so i haven't studied that text thoroughly enough well the, the the other half of that if i may because i was reading all this two hours ago on wikipedia Give it to me <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not going to read it to you i'm just going to go from memory and this is not exactly what he says according to whatever i'm just paraphrasing but he he says man does not live by bread alone it is through it is through the the words of god uh, of god that he is nourished and oh. the context here is that Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And so he is he is in a very, very, very precarious, extremely spiritually electric place right now. So he is literally starving to death for his own. He's, he's, in a, he's, he's spiritually scourging himself. So this is all that he's been doing, right? So this is paramount in his mind is that I am just, I am just eating holiness. That's all I'm here for. All right. Not, not to overinterpret. Yeah. No, this is um, the time. This is the place and the time <laughs> to get all yeah. the way into this. 
It's a podcast um, about Earthbound. <laughs> this is a podcast about Earthbound. Um, yeah, well, and so, yes, thank you for segueing here, because, yes, the, the Temptations of Christ is, is like, like that's, that's part of the tradition that I grew up with. So giving that a little more thought, I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, even though both this video game and the comic book I was referring to are both explicitly referring to Eastern traditions, um, there is this this Christian tradition, too, of the Temptations of Christ, where, yeah, first the devil says, why don't you go eat that rock smart guy? And then he's like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you just fling yourself down and let those angels uh, uh, save you? Because that's, that's their job, right? Lol. And, and then at the end, he says, okay, look, I'll tell you what. Uh, and he takes him up to the very tippity top of the mountain, and he shows him the whole world. And he says, like, you give this up. You work for me. You get all this. What do you think of that? Uh, and, we, you know, which is the, you know, the, the, the most tempting thing. And, of course, you know, famously, Jesus is like, nah. And, and oh, is that what happens? That. Yeah, he he says nah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my understanding. I mean, I I clearly haven't I'm read not, the I'm whole not quoting thing, chapter so I don't know here. if Jesus actually said okay, oh. then I'll just rule the whole world. Spoilers. All right. Um. Well, you know, if uh, look on archive of our own, I'm sure there's some <laughs> some fan in. It takes it in new directions, especially around Yuletide. There you go. Um, it's Christmas. Uh, and then I, I was like, and I know that other religions have this too. So I did a very, <laughs> I just went to Google and I said like, this happened to Buddha, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. This happened to Buddha. And it's like the, uh, I can, I, I, again, like I just, I, I was read the, 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 the one paragraph summary of this. So I'm not going to go into this in anything. I'm not even going to pretend, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I sound like I know what I'm talking about. But yeah, this, uh, when Buddha was meditating, I don't know everything, but when Buddha was meditating under the, the, do we say Bodhi tree or body tree? I don't even know how to pronounce this thing, Ryan. Probably Bodhi tree. Is it Bodhi tree? Do you like, what? Uh, does it have a, it, like, B-O-D-H-I? I think that's how what we say, yeah. I think Bodhi. Let's go with Bodhi. Uh, anyway, when he's meditating, uh, a demon uh, whose name is Mara comes up and he tempts Buddha. And uh, I'm not sure. And I think the gist of it is that his temptations are kind of in line with the same one that uh, Jesus faced, where the, the, the demon is like, um, hey, wow, you're really impressive. Why don't you go do some magic tricks? And, uh, and in this case, uh, Buddha, you know, he also declines. And um, I don't know, I, I, will not, I, will not get <laughs> I will not get into it because I don't know what's going on. The point is this. Uh, this is a recurring, the, a, a, this happens to Jesus when he is, before he starts his ministry, when mm-hmm. he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's spiritually cleaning himself by this act of refusing food for weeks in the desert by himself. And the, the, his, one of his final challenges is being tempted by this demonic force and that's pretty much the story with Buddha too, and that he's meditating to figure out the nature of reality and why why mankind must suffer. And this demon comes up and like messes with him, and that's one of his final challenges, I believe. And here's in this little sixteen bit pixel video game. <laughs> yeah, here's little Pooh with his his overproportioned head. <laughs> meditating on a mountaintop and 
a scary face appears and uh, doesn't tempt him. Instead, no. uh, terrifies him and says, you've got to obliterate yourself. And the only answer to that is, I guess, you're literally given a yes or no prompt, but kind of what I like better is that you just, you, you, your, your response is nothingness, just acceptance, just flowing into it, flowing, in, mm -hmm. flowing into being nothing. Um, and that's, and that's Pooh's journey. And that's, that's, that's how Pooh achieves, achieves uh, enlightenment. And that's, and, and his reward is he gets to go to England and punch mailboxes with his weird <laughs> friends. It's pretty good. It's very yeah, good. They put this in a video game for children. That's amazing. I know. They put this in a video game I am for so, children that is uh, like on its face supposed to be funny or at least supposed to be fun. Yeah. Well, it's a real roller coaster. I mean, there's other moments of seriousness and No, there are, terror. but like the the game really doesn't it's it, I think the way it presents itself on its face, at least the most seriousness you're going to, you're, you're going, you're supposed to expect to get out of it is the seriousness of an action movie where the fate of the world hangs into balance. If you can't beat up enough things. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> when the game, like even just when we talk to, Talarama and he feeds us some nonsense about how truth speaks to energy. Um, the game is getting like way outside of anywhere where it needs to go. Yeah. And here, especially, I think we may have demonstrated on this podcast that something actually meaningful is going on in Pooh's Moo training. Uh, that if, if you're going to make funny game about baseball cap guy hits dogs with baseball bat then <laughs> you there there's no reason you should ever get to moo training and so it speaks to a much more intentional well-rounded uh artistic statement for the game overall mm -hmm. and that this aspect has to come from such a faraway place like within the, within the, the the world of the game, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about uh, when Jason was saying how it's like Pooh in this sequence is kind of choosing nothingness by like acquiescing to what's happening, and how I'm thinking back to like the introductions to the other characters and how blank slate most of the characters end up being because there's just not a lot mm. of dialogue in the video game, mm. and like contrasting this introduction to Pooh with the introduction to like, you know, Jeff where like basically all of Jeff's characterization minus one line that he says comes from a couple people around him. Yeah. And here we're getting that same kind of, we're, we're being fed that information, but we're also getting this big, uh, like action as a, not, not action moment, but you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a combat moment in which we're being communicated something about this character. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have anything to say about that. It's just interesting how they're able to like get more out of the same kind of the same lack of dialogue of a character 
by oh, yeah. anchoring his entire scenario with this encounter. Hmm. That's that's true. Uh, like, if if we don't have this this mood training and he does something less intense to get from Delam to Summers, yeah, then. Pooh is, you know, still kind of basically the same guy, but doesn't have the same um, impact as the fourth person in the line. Um, yeah. Yeah, with Jeff. I like that because that. Um, what comes to mind for me is that having experienced this with him as 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 his player. Um, once he joins the party, then like every time his turn is up, you remember that. Yeah. And he's a little bit scary. Whereas if you didn't get that, he would just be like, oh, here's, here's Mr. Karate Man. He punches. Yeah, that's that's his thing. Yeah. 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 He's different in a lot of ways. We've talked about how he starts. I he think doesn't it was, start at level one. Yeah. He has different yeah, yeah. dietary needs. Yeah. <laughs> he has a very different background. It's implied. I think he's a little bit older, maybe. Hmm. Possibly yes. than than the than the very young characters, yes. like he's a teenager, yeah. maybe. Um, I wish that were reflected in the art more, for yeah. Ness and Paula to be what ten or whatever, and Pooh to be taller. Like what's his face in Mother? Um, it doesn't he? What's his name? Teddy, Fonzie. Teddy. Yeah. Uh, is like he is physically larger on the map, right? Yeah. He's like, he's got a bigger sprite or like yeah. it's the same. It fits in the same thing, but he take he has more pixels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be cool to see with Pooh as like the, I guess that they since they did that in the previous game, they must have very intentionally not did it with this game. Um, but he has plenty of presence in his characterization without his sprite being a different shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, to go back to what Jason was saying about this coming from very far away, I it's it's possible that part of the intent of Earthbound is to um uh, go back to college, and another <laughs> of my professors explained to me that uh, Paradise Lost. Uh, was intended by John Milton to be encyclopedic, meaning that he would touch on every subject, like the arts and the sciences and this part of history and this part of history and this part of the world and this part of the world would all be represented in this complete poem. Earthbound kind of has that same impulse to like show the world from all angles. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the strength of Pooh and his characterization here is, you know, he's from Dalam, and so this place way on the other side of the world doesn't obey any of the same rules as Eagleland does, and the way its people are, and the way this character interacts with the world um, is a completely new and distinct thing. And by having, you know, someone from America, someone from also America, someone from probably England <laughs> and someone from Nepal. Now you have all the perspectives. Even if you think Jeff is Canadian, still true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is this podcast? 
It's plenty okay. long, but we're not done it's yet. It's plenty long. Uh, oh, we're not done yet? Well, no, we got to get out of Delon. We got to go back and see oh. our master. Oh, yes. We decide that we really are going to go back and find out whether we really did complete our moo training or not. Kind of a strange... It, it strikes me that the NPCs you meet on the way back don't say anything new after you complete your moo training, and I expect them to. I feel like they should say, like, good job, Pooh, but I guess that would be spoiling the weird, like, you don't know, yeah. like, having to check with your master uh, is part of the equation. So, yeah, go back to your master, and he says, good job, and then you level up a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it, but completing your mood training was actually worth 12,000 XP or something. <laughs> We get like a. Uh, oh, he gives you a speech, doesn't there's a, he? There's a speech here. Um, he says, Prince Pooh. Wait, hang on. Let's start with from. Let me go up a line and start from here. Yeah. yeah I am yeah. proud. You have completed your Moo training. There's nothing more to teach you from the holy writings. Prince Pooh, I shall relay a message to you from eternity. Hmm. Eternity in caps. The. Or the. Uppercase. Uh, the evil entity that controls all wickedness is preparing for the greatest struggle of all time. The only ones who can challenge the entity are three boys and one girl. One named Ness is the leader of the four. One of these boys is you, Prince Pooh. Now that you've completed your training, search out Ness at once. For all beings, for the earth herself, I pray for growth in the might of the four. Wow. Pretty intense. Um, high stakes. I was just spitting with the fact that like it has eternity in caps. I was like, yeah, capitalize that. Yeah. Do you think he just got this call? Like this is a telegram he just received, or or has he known this for some time? Probably knew it for some time, but he had to complete his training first so he could level mm. up. Got it. Yeah. So that he could get teleport beta and not have to try and clear a runway to get to where he needed to go. Yeah, because there really isn't room unless you're super skilled with teleport to do a teleport alpha off of Delam. I guess too I should dangerous. try doing that before I say it's too hard. It's not too bad. You could do it. Okay. It's not like doing it some other places in the game that are way harder. And so Pooh automatically teleport betas while indoors, which is illegal. Wow. And uh, transports himself to Summers where Ness is. Everybody's and... on the beach suddenly. They wandered off to the beach while they were in their cake-fueled haze. And he approaches you and says, My name is Pooh. I am the one who will fight beside you. I am the servant of Ness. I will obey Ness. I Ness, my life is in your hands. And then if you see in the, uh, the text dump, there's a line right after this that says dot, 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 dot. I just communicated with Ness's soul. Do not mind me. <laughs> In case Ness is fainted when you eat the magic cake. Wow. That kind of takes away some of the impact of that speech. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you I like if you get Ness to be fainted at that point, then <laughs> Yeah. You deserve whatever you want. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Um, speaking of inelegances, I said that we were about to find um, 
when we were talking about the hints being so good, <laughs> uh, if you happen to go to the hint man right after this step, uh, the hint man's hint for you at this point is, quote, Scaraba Cultural Museum, Scaraba Cultural Museum, Scaraba Cultural Museum. So although they wrote really good <laughs> hints for almost every other step in the game, at this point, they give up. <laughs> I went and looked this one up because you said to keep an eye out for a good one. And boy, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Oh, but then, wait. Then the next thing says, uh, did you go to the second floor of the Scarab Cultural Museum in Summers? If you are lucky, you'll get to see the hieroglyph. Yeah, you sure would be lucky. Uh, I wonder if that's like, if you happen to... Uh, get access to the back room and then go to the hitman before looking at the hieroglyph? Hmm. Possibly. Uh, do we want to talk about the the museum as the last little part of this episode? Yeah, sure. I, I, I feel like having it as the end of this episode is better than having it be the beginning of an episode because there's really not much to it. That's true. We already talked about how you see the the guy in the top floor of the museum is waiting to receive a bribe and uh Pooh has an item called tiny ruby right that's what it's called correct yep that he just happens to have and so in a very like action movie scene um when you talk to him with uh Pooh and says what does he say he says something ridiculous he says like he calls you the samurai kid he's like oh the samurai kid yeah. here Hmm. despite the um, fact that you don't have a sword yet he doesn't have a sword he doesn't like i would never say samurai about guy in just a white robe yeah uh even if you're trying to write if you're trying to write kind of an insensitive dumb guy then you'd have him say karate kid uh but that's copyrighted so you can't say that <laughs> uh will Pooh be giving me that gem and then if you say no he says, excuse me? So what Pooh just handed me is not a gem. <laughs> I'm going to really enjoy the cookie that I just got. Let's pretend this conversation never took place. While I'm pretending, you go on in. Hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Good job, Pooh. And then uh, you go inside and, well, there's a scene. Someone else talk about what happens in the back room of the museum. Uh, there's a couple things that are here. Uh, the janitor followed, or he went in before you, so he's standing there next to a massive hieroglyph. Um, but there's some, uh, what do they look like on the map screen? I forget. Are they, they're not They look like coffins. They're coffins. There are coffins on the, on the map screen that start moving. If you move. And you gotta fight these guys. (laughs) There's some mummies here. They're just enemies hanging out in the museum. They're called Shattered Men, which is like a really interesting and evocative that's very name yeah creepy uh the the the, i like when the game opts not to just call something what it is Mm -hmm. i like when we end up with an urban zombie you know what i mean that kind of stuff is good um yeah and i think it's treated as a boss fight but they're kind of just regular enemies yeah we'll run into them as regular enemies later on yeah uh, these guys are crucial to some glitch stuff where 
if you manage to stutter step around them and then come back in the post game and fight them, you can break the game. Whoa. Because these guys stay there even after all the rest of the enemies have despawned in the world. Hmm. Uh, but you can fight these mummies. I got a mummy wrap item, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can examine the hieroglyph. And I should probably look up that text in the text dump. Party member read the hieroglyphs. To fight against the invaders, we built this pyramid fortress. However, our efforts were futile, and we lost. Nonetheless, our pyramid was protected by the gods of Scaraba. The invaders will be reborn every millennium and will attack again. Even now, the invaders hide beyond space and time and build their evil stronghold. A place out of time is beyond the dark and is even farther beyond the lost underworld. The deep darkness is shrouded. It is without light. Only one with the hawk eye can pierce the dark. The Sphinx now watches over everything, waiting for the coming of a truly brave hero. Dance in front of the Sphinx. And the and dance in front of the shows, Sphinx has yeah. like a, a set There's of numbers arranged art. in a pattern. Yeah. In some probably meticulously made uh Oh, spacing. to make it space out, yeah. It probably was not easy to do when you're trying to program text into a Super Nintendo <laughs> RPG. That's that does not have like it's it's variable length letters or whatever. Yeah. It's not like it's monospaced, so this is extra tough. But they got it. Good job, translator man. Mark uh Limbom? Limbom. Limbom. And so there's the you know, we're back to the kind of epic lore that doesn't necessarily link up with anything else or make a whole lot of sense. Or maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving it its due. Maybe if you like compare this to what Talarama says to what Buzzbuzz says, then you're able to put together kind of a more cohesive narrative than I'm able to see. But it comes off to me as just say beyond time, space and time because it's cool to say beyond space and time. Well, if they're here every thousand years, then it's kind of oh yes, time. are they here every thousand years? They're reborn every millennium. Uh, okay. Was did Earthbound negative nine take place in nine hundred ninety x? Yeah, I think so. Seemingly. Oh, okay. Um. No, the idea that the invaders are reborn every millennium doesn't seem to mean anything, even in the time travel dimension of this game. Yeah, Jason, you still there? I am still here. I uh, I was I was doing. You gave up on the podcast. <laughs> I'm done. I was. Uh, I, I I didn't make a joke about how like oh that was in the previous episode with the game that was covered negative nine i was a fan that's on uh see yeah see see itch.io oh, yeah. to play mm-hmm. earthbound negative nine <laughs> set in nine nine x and if it doesn't exist yet re, uh listener your 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 road is laid out ahead of you you know what to do be the change you want to see that's all i'm gonna say mm-hmm.